the sermon that we're going to be going over, and it's in the series that we've been been going through for a while now, is on uh, unity and love, and the importance of unity in the church, that we are truly one body if we act like it or not, we are. And we are one family. You know, I was trying to figure out what to do this morning for the sermon, and we're going to look at Ephesians 3, 1, and and the reason is, is that God's on his throne. And in his providence, this is where we're at. And you know what? This whole passage, which I believe is the heart of Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, is all about unity and love. That we are one body, and in particular, Paul's talking about two different groups, redeemed Jews and redeemed Gentiles, as we've been going through. Again, Gentiles, if you don't know what that word means, it just means everyone that's not a Jew is what the, the Jews called every other nation. They're Gentiles. To really understand the context of this passage that we're in, you have to understand why this was such a concern to Paul. You have to understand the context of the first century church, the hostility that there was between Jews and Gentiles, and how unlikely these two groups would ever come together and be one. One body, one, one, one man, one family. These two groups hated each other. The Gentiles hated the Jews, and the Jews hated the Gentiles. The whole Old Testament, as we've said before, was war between Gentile nations and Israel. The time of Moses, Egypt, a Gentile nation enslaved Israel. The time of Joshua, the Canaanites battled with the Israelites. In the time of Judges, Gentile nation after Gentile nation came in and oppressed Israel. In the time of David, the Philistines, Gentiles, warred with Israel. In the time of the kings, Assyria and Babylon destroyed Judah and Israel and dragged them into exile. The whole history of Israel has been war, abuse, oppression, and massacre. Even in the intertestamental period, the time between the Old and New Testament, the Greeks ruled over Israel. And in fact, a Greek ruler at one point sacrificed a pig in the Jewish temple to Zeus just to make the Jews mad. Thousands of years of hostility. And it's no different in the New Testament. The Jews hated the Romans. It's why thousands worship Jesus as he entered Jerusalem and they're laying down their shirts and palm branches saying, you are our king. The Jews were hoping that Jesus would be a warrior king who would overthrow the Roman government, who would destroy all the Gentile nations and would establish Israel as the world power. But when Jesus turned out to be different when he came into Jerusalem and attacked the temple for its corruption and not Rome. The Jews had him crucified. The Jews hated Rome, and Rome hated the Jewish nation. In fact, in 70 AD, as we've talked about, this is less than 10 years after the letter to the Ephesus, the Ephesians, the book of Ephesians was written Rome, Gentiles, completely destroyed the temple, completely destroyed Jerusalem, and massacred Jewish men, Jewish women, and Jewish children in the streets. The Gentiles hated the Jews, and the Jews hated the Gentiles. And this hatred was a major challenge in the first century church. 
A church that was full of both Jews and Gentiles, redeemed Jews, Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. They were called to be unified. They were called to be one body. When you get to the end of the book of Acts, there's this church in Jerusalem that's filled with thousands of Jewish Christians And at the same time, Paul has planted churches throughout the Roman Empire, Gentile-filled churches. In the Acts, Paul's in prison, and he's writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, wanting unity and love within the church. And this is what he writes. Look at Ephesians 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles... It says, for this reason, this is pointing back to Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, that, that Jews and Gentiles, the two have become one body in Christ. That the two have become one new man in Christ. For this reason, I am a prisoner. That's what Paul says. This is why I'm in prison. That the Jewish Christians and that the Gentile Christians would be unified. Would be one body. And that's how important Listen, that's how important unity was to Paul. I'm in prison for this. Side note, I just wonder how grieved God is when he looks down at the church sometimes. Sees all the fighting within the church. People breaking fellowship over just crazy reasons. Non-biblical reasons like the color of the carpet, right? I wonder how grieved God is when he looks down and sees the lack of commitment in general to the church. We've become such an individualistic culture. Many Christians just think, I don't even need to go to church. I'm going to be a Christian without the church. Listen, Paul was in jail for the church. Paul was in jail for the unity of the body. Ephesians 3.1, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. This morning, I just want to look at the context of this one verse. Why did Paul write this? What's going on in Paul's life during this time? At this point, Paul has been in jail for five years. Two years in Caesarea, three years in Rome. He's under house arrest when he writes this letter in Rome. And look what Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. What's interesting about this verse is he doesn't say a prisoner of Rome. Who is the one that arrested him and has him under arrest. He doesn't say I'm a prisoner of the Jews. Who are the ones that beat him and had him arrested. What does he say? He says a prisoner of Christ Jesus. It's not the only place he says this. In Philemon 1, he says, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. In Philemon 9, he says, I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. In 2 Timothy 1.8, he says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. In Ephesians 4.1, he says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. I just have this feeling that Paul, while he was in prison, wanted to make it clear that he wasn't in prison because God was against him. He wasn't in prison because he was being punished by God. He says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul was in prison because it's exactly where God wanted him to be. He was in prison because of God's sovereign plan. 
You know what's amazing about that? When you read through Acts, there's this point where Paul says, it says that Paul is in prison for two years in Caesarea, and it's like one verse. Just think about that. We get one verse, two years of Paul's life. Imagine what he was thinking in that time. Why, God? What am I doing here? It's amazing because when you look back at it, when you, when you get a, a wider perspective, it's actually how Paul finally makes it to Rome. Paul writes in, in Romans 1.9, he says this, For God is my witness, and this is before he gets arrested, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in prayers, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I will now at last succeed in coming to you. For I longed to see you. Paul, Paul prayed, it says. Paul says, I prayed without ceasing that he would get to Rome somehow. And guess what? God answered that prayer. We find out in Acts, Paul was arrested in Jerusalem. He appeals to Caesar. And the Roman government itself pays for a trip for, for Paul to go from Jerusalem to Rome. And he spends three years in Rome under house arrest. Where he was able to meet with people freely write letters like Ephesians and Philippians, and also witness to Roman guard. You need, they, would, they would handcuff a guard to Paul. Can you imagine? Just the gospel nonstop. <laughs> I can imagine the, the guards as they were talking to each other. Oh, man, you have to go to the guy that talks about that dude Jesus all the time? Like, this is what Paul writes in Philippians 2.12, which is, while he's in prison, he writes this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I just think of Paul in the, those two years where he just sat in a prison cell going, what are you doing, God? And now, with some perspective, his imprisonment has advanced the gospel. Verse 13 says, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord my, by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Because of Paul's imprisonment, the empirical guard was hearing the gospel, and, and Christians were emboldened. Paul was a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He was imprisoned because that's exactly where God wanted him. But Paul says something else that's interesting in Ephesians 3.1. He says, For this reason... I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. On behalf of you Gentiles. Paul was in prison for the sake of the gospel. We know that for sure. But I think a lot of people miss that. Paul was also in prison for the sake of unity. For the sake of unity within the church. In fact, if you would, turn with me to Acts 20, verse 16. We're going to spend most of our time this morning in Acts, trying to get the context again of, well, why did Paul write this one verse? Acts 20, verse 16. If you're not familiar with the book of Acts, Luke is the one that wrote Acts. It's historical narrative. It's talking about the apostles and how the gospel went from Jerusalem and spread throughout the whole world. So we're jumping right in the middle of it. The context is is that Acts 20 really bridges the gap between Paul's third missionary trip. Paul went on missionary trips. He was a missionary. And Paul's third missionary trip, he starts to return back to Jerusalem, and it's his final recorded trip to Jerusalem. And at this point, Paul has planted churches throughout the Gentile world. 
Acts 20, you're going to see that Paul is determined to get back to Jerusalem. And the question I want to ask throughout this whole entire sermon is why? Why is he so determined to get back to Jerusalem? Look what it says in, in, in Acts 20, verse 16. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was ha- hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. And Paul wanted to get to Jerusalem as soon as possible, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Look at verse 22 now. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Constrained by the Spirit, the Greek word for constrained there is to compel someone to act in a particular manner, to compel, to force. For some reason, the Holy Spirit put it on Paul's heart and told him to go to Jerusalem. Why? Well, the Holy Spirit didn't just compel Paul to go. He also tells him something. He makes it very clear that imprisonment and afflictions await him. Can you imagine that? It's one thing to know that there's a possibility of persecution, but to be promised persecution (laughs) by God saying, hey, when you go to uh, uh, so-and-so place, you're going to get beaten, you might get killed, you're going to get imprisoned. That was Paul's calling. And look what Paul says in verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I just love Paul. God told me to go, so I'm going. Yeah, I may die. Whatever. <laughs> Turn with me to Acts 21, verse 1. Acts 21, we start seeing the trip back to Jerusalem. Paul's on his third missionary journey, and he starts heading back to Jerusalem. It says this in verse 1, And when we had parted uh, from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to cross, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patera. If If you saw a map, which in the back of your Bibles, a lot of your Bibles have a map, and it would be Paul's third missionary journey. On the way back from this missionary journey, you see Paul, he's hugging the coastline. These cities are right against the coastline. And the reason for that is the time of year that Paul is heading back to Jerusalem, it was extremely dangerous, extremely dangerous to cross the Mediterranean because of the storms that time of year. But Paul was in a hurry. He had to be in Jerusalem. He had a conviction to get to Jerusalem. Why? Well, look what verse 2 says. He's hugging the coastline, and in verse 2 it says, Having found a ship crossing the Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. Again, if you saw a map, Paul's hugging the coastline, then he decides this is taking too long. I'm risking the Mediterranean. He crosses straight through the heart of the Mediterranean, risking his life to get to Jerusalem. This was very dangerous. Look at verse 3. When we, and that's important, the personal pronoun there, we, we. Who's the author? It's Luke, right? When we, Luke was with Paul in this portion of, of Scripture in Acts. When we, Luke and, Luke and Paul and maybe some other people, when we had come in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we uh, sailed to Syria and landed in Tyre. For there the ship was to unload its cargo, and having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days, 
And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. This is interesting. These disciples were begging Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Because the Spirit showed them that Paul would be persecuted if he went to Jerusalem. So they were telling Paul, don't go. But Paul was determined to go. There was nothing that was going to stop him from getting to Jerusalem. Look at verse 5. When our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey. And they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. When we had finally finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Telemae, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and we stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Abigus is a New Testament prophet, and he comes and tells Paul exactly what would happen to him. If he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be put in prison. There will be persecution. Verse 12, when we, again, that's Luke, we, personal pronoun, when we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. The second time God has made it clear to Luke and Paul's friends that persecution is coming to Paul if he goes to Jerusalem. And the second time Luke told Paul, don't go. Verse 13, then Paul answered, What are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be in prison, but even die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul was determined to go to Jerusalem no matter what. Verse 14, And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. And God made it clear to to Paul and his friends that Paul would be persecuted and arrested if he goes to Jerusalem. And Paul was determined, determined to get to Jerusalem, which leads to a question, why? Why was Paul so determined to get to Jerusalem? To risk danger in traveling, to risk his life crossing the Mediterranean, to risk imprisonment and persecution. I think it's an important question. Listen, I want to come back to that question, but keep that in the back of your mind, Paul. Why? Why are you going to Jerusalem? Why does the Spirit want you to go to Jerusalem so bad? Remember Ephesians 3.1, though. It says this, For this reason, unity between the Jews and the Gentiles, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Paul says, I am a prisoner on behalf of you Gentiles. Turn with me to Acts 21, verse 27 now. Acts chapter 21, verse 27. Paul makes it to Jerusalem. After a few days, he goes to the temple. Look what Acts 21, verse 27 says. When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him, that's Paul, in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him. Now, we've gone over this. 
Right? The Jews from Asia probably knew who Paul was because they'd seen him evangelizing to the Gentiles. These Jews were, were from, probably from Asia Minor and knew who Paul was. And they stirred up the crowd, look at verse 28, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the, against the people and the law of this place. Moreover, he has brought Greeks, and, and that's another name for Gentiles, non-Jewish people. He's brought Gentiles, Greeks, into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For he, They had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Right, Paul was accused of bringing a Gentile into the temple, a non-Jew, an Ephesian, crossing the dividing wall. We've talked about this. Paul was arrested because the Jews falsely accused him of being, bringing a Gentile into the temple. But look what it says in verse 30. Then all the city, that's Jerusalem, then all the city was stirred up and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple and at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, now let me interpret that for you for a second there. They were seeking to kill him. In other words, they were beating him, hopefully to beat him to death. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort, that's the Romans, that all of Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and satyrians and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Roman government just really wanted peace. That's all they wanted. And so when there was a, a riot that was getting started, they were beating Paul to death. They ran to just stop what was going on because they had no idea what was happening. And just take a second there. The Jews were beating Paul to death. And Paul knew this would happen. The Spirit made it clear. His friends told him, and they begged him, Don't go, Paul. Again, I want to ask a question. Why was Paul so determined to go to Jerusalem? Look at verse 33. Then the tri tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired how he was, um, or who he was and what he had done, and some in the crowd were shouting one thing and some another. It's the angry mob at this point. And as he could not learned the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he came into the, to the steps, he was um, actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of the people followed, crying out, Away with him! As Paul was about to, to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, May I say something to you? And he said, Do you know Greek? The Roman soldier was surprised when Paul spoke Greek because it showed that Paul was educated. And, and, and so he listened. So the Roman soldier asked, look at verse, verse 38. Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? This Roman officer thought Paul was someone else. Look at verse 39. Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a city of a citizen of no obscure city, I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given his permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hands the people, and when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, 
And Paul gets all these Jews that were about to kill him, and he starts speaking Hebrew to them. And the amazing thing about this is they actually quiet down and listen to him. And he says this in Acts 22, verse 1, Brothers and fathers, you read Paul's writings, he loved the Jews. You read Romans. He loved the Jews. He calls them brothers and, and fathers. Hear the defense that I now make before you. He's going to give his testimony. This is who I, who I am. This is why I do what I do. Look at verse 2. And, and when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. They were willing to listen. And he said, verse 3, I'm a Jew born in Tarshish, a Cilicia, but brought up in the city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. Paul is saying, I was no different than any of you. Before Paul was saved, his name was Saul. He was a Pharisee. He was trained under the feet of Gamaliel, which is one of the, the most respected teachers of the Jews. Paul was a proud Jew. And look what he says, verse 4, I persecuted this way to death. This way, the, the Jewish people started calling the Christians the way. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Paul is saying, I persecuted Christians. I persecuted this way to death, binding and delivering um, to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council and elders can bear witness of me. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to, to take those also who were there and bring them in bounds to Jerusalem to be punished. In other words, Saul on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians, to find men and women, to drag them into prison. And on the way, verse 6, as I was on my way, I drew near to Damascus, and about noon, I just love this, about noon in, in the desert, a great light shone. That means brighter than the sun. A great light from heaven suddenly shone on me, I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You know, it's funny. It's not funny, but Paul was persecuting Christians. Jesus was in heaven, right? He, he's, he, didn't, he didn't go after Jesus. But because we are his body, Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? I think Paul knew who he was. And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Can you imagine? Paul, who thought he was doing God's will, and he was a zealous follower of God, he was actually persecuting God's people. Verse 9. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will, find, or you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. Verse 11, and since I could, could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. 
And one Ananias, a devoted man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there. This was, a Jew, this was a Jewish Christian, a Christian man that was a Jew. Ananias, he was well respected by the Jews. Remember Paul speaking to a, a crowd of proud Jews. He came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at the very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The Lord of our Father appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth, for you will be a witness to him, to everyone, of what you have seen here. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins and call, calling upon his name. It's amazing. Paul, who was Saul on his way to Damascus, to persecute Christians, was saved. God changed his name from Saul to Paul. And I just want to remind you of the context of this story. Right, Paul is telling this to hundreds of Jews that just moments earlier wanted him dead. But they are so intrigued that they are quietly listening to Paul's testimony. Look at verse 17. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and, and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. In other words, Jesus came and, 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 and talked to Paul and said, Get out of Jerusalem because the Jews aren't going to listen. Verse 19, And I said, Lord, this is Paul arguing with Jesus, Lord, they themselves know that I that um, in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beated those who believed in you. And with the blood of St- uh, Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was shed, uh, um, standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And Paul is saying, if, if the Jews are going to listen to anyone, they're going to listen to me. I just think it's ironic that, you know, we think that and God says, no, I'm not sending you to Jews, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. I'm going to send fishermen to the Jews. Peter. (laughs) God uses who he wants to use and where he wants to use them. And it says that he uses the foolish things of this world. Look at verse 21. And he said to me, Go. This is Jesus talking to, to Paul. He said to me, Go, for I will send you away to the Gentiles. Now look at verse 22. Up to this word, they listened to him. Up to what word? Gentiles. They quietly listened. As soon as he said Gentiles, they were done. Verse 22. Up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth for he should not be allowed to live. The Jews hated the Gentiles. Therefore, they wanted Paul dead. They hated that Paul preached the gospel to the Gentiles. They hated, they hated what Paul preached to the Gentiles, that, that, that salvation comes only in faith to Jesus, not becoming a Jew. And all you have to do is put your faith in Jesus. If you don't know Jesus this morning, put your faith in him. That's it. It's not what you do. 
They hated that message. They hated that so much that they put Paul in prison. Now turn back with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, a, a church full of Gentile Christians, that Jews and Gentiles are one body in Christ. It's an interesting thing. He doesn't say become one body. He says you are one body. Just recognize that. You're one. Live that way. That's reality. For this reason, for this, the fact that you guys are one body, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. The Jews had Paul arrested because of the gospel, but in particularly that Paul preached the gospel to the Gentiles. And as soon as he said that word Gentiles, they, they, they arrested him. And from Acts 21 on to the end of Acts, Paul is under arrest. Two years in Caesarea and then three years in Rome. And again, I know I've said this, but it just, sometimes we have to, we know the end of the story, and so we, we get all excited But Paul, when he's in prison for two years in Caesarea, what was going through his mind in that dark time? God encourages Paul in that time and comes to him and says, I'm going to send you to Rome. But there had been moments where he doubted and struggled. Two years in Caesarea, three years in Rome, which brings us back to the question that we haven't answered yet. Why was Paul so determined to go to Jerusalem? If he knew, right? If he knew persecution would come if he goes there. If he knew he would be arrested, right? Remember, his friends were telling him, Paul, don't go. Why did the Holy Spirit put such a conviction in Paul's heart to get to Jerusalem? Well, Paul actually tells us. If you would, turn to Romans 15, verse 22. Paul writes Romans on his way to Jerusalem. Romans fifteen twenty two. He says this. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered to come, from coming to you. But now since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you. Remember, Paul said, I prayed nonstop with, without ceasing that I would come to, to see you, to be, to be in Rome. And more than that, Paul wanted to go to Spain. Look, look at verse 24. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Spain in that time was the ends of the earth. And, and Jesus said, take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And Paul wanted to get to Spain. He's planted churches everywhere else, and there's no church in Spain. I need to get to Spain. Paul's heart desire. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and and to be helped on my way, my journey there by you. Once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Paul is saying, I want to go to Spain and I want you to help me to get there and I want to get to you, Rome. Look at verse 25. At present, however, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem. Now, again, if you look at the map, Jerusalem is the complete opposite direction of Spain. So I'm going to Jerusalem. 
Even though I want to go to Spain, I'm going to Jerusalem. Why? At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. At some point in Paul's third missionary journey, he got word from the church in Jerusalem that they were in need. Apparently, persecution got so bad in Jerusalem that they needed help. So what did Paul do? He, he took that as an opportunity to collect money from all the Gentile churches. Collect it to give it to the church in Jerusalem, which was mostly Jewish Christians. Why do you think that was so important to Paul? He saw an opportunity to build unity between Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians. Look at what Paul says in verse 26. For Macedonia and Achaia uh, have been pleased to make some contributions for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. Right? These are Gentile churches. They are pleased. They said, Paul, give, me, give, give them our money. If you look at 1 Corinthians 8, it actually talks about the church in Macedonia. 1, 2 Corinthians 8. It talks about the church in Macedonia. And they were so pleased that they, they kept giving money and, and eagerly asked Paul, take my money. Take our money. We're poor, but it's okay. Take our money. Give it to the church in Jerusalem. They were pleased to give their money to the Jewish church in Jerusalem. Verse 27, For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owed it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessing, they ought also to be of service to them in their material blessing. In other words, the church started in Jerusalem and it spread to the Gentile nations. And the Gentiles were reaping the spiritual blessings of the Jewish church sending out missionaries to them. Now the Jewish church was in need and the Gentile church had a chance to give, to support, to love. And listen, Paul wasn't going to pass up this opportunity. He saw an opportunity to unify the church, Jewish church, Gentile church, becoming just the church, one body. Paul risked everything for this. He risked traveling. He risked persecution. He risked life-threatening beatings and finally imprisonment for the unity of the church. You think unity is important? John 1335, Jesus says this, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another. Our unity is a witness, in other words. Our love for one another is a witness. Our willingness to forgive each other is a witness. Our willingness to believe the best about each other is a witness. Paul wanted unity so that, so that the church would be a witness to a lost culture. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it as long as we are in this passage talking about unity. Our culture is becoming very divisive. It's just crumbling around us, and I know we see it. But it's becoming divisive and hostile, and, and there's just ugliness everywhere. Our unity... Our unity is a witness to the culture that's crumbling around us. I just pray that our culture sees the church unified and go, why can they get along? 
when no one else can? Why do people from different cultures, different age groups, come together every Sunday? I don't get it. And then meet together during the weeks. I, I don't get it. I pray that that is our witness. I really have one point in the sermon this morning. Unity is important. Our love for each other is important. Let me end with this. Because I want you to see what happened when, when Paul finally made it to Jerusalem. We know he gets arrested, but when he first made it there, before he was arrested, turn back to Acts 21. Acts 21, verse 17. Verse 17 says this, when we, again, this is Luke and Paul together, when we had come to Jerusalem, they finally make it there. When we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. I'm sure they were in need. And Paul has brought a collection of money that they needed badly, and they, they received them gladly. They're happy to see Paul and Luke and Verse 18, on the following day, Paul went in with us to James, who was kind of the pastor of the church there. And all the elders were present. This is all the elders, the plurality of elders that were in charge of this church in Jerusalem. Mostly Jewish church, if not all Jewish church. 19, after greeting them, he, that's Paul, Related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. In other words, Paul was telling these elders of this Jewish church, Jewish Christians, of all the churches that were getting planted throughout the Gentile world. And look what they said, verse 20, and when they heard it, they glorified God. Listen, at this point, the church still had a lot of issues. If you keep reading, you'll see them. But God was working on the hearts of the church to be unified, to be a church that loves each other. Listen, our unity and love is so important. Our commitment to the church, to this body, to each other, is so important. We are a family. We are one body you may not recognize that, but that's the truth. That's reality. If you have issues with a brother or sister within this church, and I don't know anything, I don't have anyone in my mind, work on it. Forgive them. Cover up a sin in love. Let it go. Meet with them. Our unity is that important that Paul would travel. He would, he would leave the, the, the mission to, to get to Spain. He would leave that to come back to Jerusalem knowing he's going to get in prison to unify the church. Is that important? Listen, I love our church and, and I think we love each other. I'm amazed at how we treat each other, how we, we get along with each other. Different age groups when we look out that come together, different backgrounds. Let's keep that. Let's keep that. Let, let, let have that as a witness to Tehachapi. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, Lord, 
I see in these passages Paul, Lord's heart for unity, but, but I also see the Spirit who's the one that, that told him to go to Jerusalem. That means it's your heart. You want the church to be unified and love in each other and, and being together and, and enjoying each other and being committed to each other, Lord. Help us to see that as important. Help us to see it in the light that you see it, Lord. Help us to recognize the reality that we truly are one body here at Country Oaks, Lord. I pray for our, for our local body that we, we love each other and we do whatever it takes to promote unity. God, I pray for, for the church at large, the universal church, Lord, that we are unified. Unified on your word, unified on truth, unified on love for your son and what he's done for us, Lord. God, I see in the words of Scripture how important unity, how important the church is, how important that is a witness, Lord. I pray that is true for us, Lord. I love this church. I know there's many, many in here, Lord, that that have that same love, Lord. I just pray that that passion for our local church just grows, Lord. And that our passion for the universal church grows, Lord. And our passion for evangelism and, and seeking the lost grows, Lord. Be with us in your son's name. Amen.